Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Well, I've recently been getting more involved with WordPress and uh, adapting with Alex Garrett, AlexG in NYC.net. And uh, someone who also has been following my WordPress, thank, thankfully, and I'm honored, is uh, he goes by the, the username Dirty Minded Buddha, but he actually has a name. Uh, Kent Wayne. Kent, you are the Dirty Minded Buddha, so thanks for joining me today. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, great to be uh, podcasting with you, Alex. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, Dirty Sci-Fi Buddha. <laughs> That's all right. No, Dirty Minded Buddha is pretty accurate as well. <laughs> uh, um, it, it kind of it's very interesting your your screen name and I, I appreciate the the humor to it the openness but uh, let's start there WordPress why do you use it and and how has it helped you grow? Well, uh, why do I use it? Um, it's kind of a convoluted story, but uh, okay. So you, you know, colorful stories belong on podcasts. Uh, you know, once upon a time I was in the military and then uh, I got sucked into uh, a cult, <laughs> like a meditation cult. And uh, part of their whole thing was, you know, uh, the members should be um, proficient at the computer stuff. And WordPress, you know, they had these kind of like hokey classes where it's like, look, you know, check out what you can do with, uh, I don't know. It's been so long. It was like 10 years ago when I was in this thing, like Oracle or WordPress was one of the things. And my my ex uh, did a little project, WordPress project. She was in the cult, too. She did a WordPress project of her own, and I was like, okay, well, I think I have a idea. Uh, I think I have a book in my head. So um, I'm just going to start a blog, start advertising some free uh, sample chapters, and then it grew from there. I, just, I, I started like running ads, started uh, interacting, so, so forth and so forth, and that's how I got to WordPress basically. Well, all because of a cult. But but look at what you've done with it. Now you've got another book out, which we'll get to in a little bit. It sounds like WordPress inspired it. But I also could tell you're a writer by nature, and I think that shows. Uh, could you? So I'm not trying to. I don't want to interrupt your steam, but like, uh, could you expound on that? Like, I'm. I got my own ideas about what that means, but I'd like to hear what what you think that means. Uh, I just think that you're you're very creative and you write a lot. So I'm guessing it it started well before WordPress, right? That you've been writing. Oh, uh, sorry. Hold time. on a second. <clears throat> no worries. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, stupid phones. It's random alarms. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm basically just an overthinker, <laughs> is how I describe it. So I got to put put my over overly. Uh, I'm, you, you sound kind of the same way. If you're in the creative creative field, you know you got you're looking at things from ten different angles. Where other people, I, I'm not trying to sound elitist here. Where other people are going to look at them for, you know, maybe two or three. And you want to go down the rabbit hole in a few things, but you can't do it in conversation. You just come off as like some kind of obsessed weirdo, right? I mean, if you don't, if you're not polished, which is that, that's what a writer is supposed to do. They're supposed to take all their, well, in my mind, is they're supposed to go down the rabbit hole, polish it up so that it's presentable when somebody reads it, you know? But it's kind of, if you've ever seen like behind the scenes on a movie or, or, or whatnot, they're talking about stuff that like, you had no idea was the uh, backdrop was the backdrop of the conceptual theme they're pushing in the film, right? They're talking about like ten thousand different angles and subtleties that you don't you had no idea was in the film, but all that stuff was foundational for what you actually saw in the movie. So, yeah, to make a to make a long winding point short is, uh, I think uh, w- with a writer you're going to be you're basically somebody who or any creative person you're basically somebody who sees who wants to look at things from a lot more angles than you know is generally accepted in in uh 
a, a kind of a more mundane social setting. Well, let me ask you this. Does Dirty Sci-Fi Buddha, that resonates with you? Obviously, that's how people know you. Uh, I've got to ask this because you're so active on there as that username. Do people know you actually have a real name? Like, do they ever say, do they ever look into your work or do they kind of just see you on WordPress and then move along? Like, what? have you formed friendships on there or whatnot? Yeah. Um, there's been some, uh, <laughs> there's been some, I guess, a uh, polite way to say it would be some romantic interest. <laughs> that bloom from 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 the interactions and you know someone would get to know my real name but for the most part i, I just keep it kent wayne well and and that's a great name by the way my middle name is kent so i guess we have that in common too oh awesome i don't know yeah. if you were named after superman but my middle name is that named after clark kent so so oh really there's no I, I picked it on purpose yeah like uh, I, I felt like uh uh, Batman Superman is kind of like the modern day is like a very balanced uh, yin yang type. Yes, Batman, I said so. okay. Uh, Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne. I love it. I love it even more now. Um, <laughs> and I knew yeah. your energy was going to be worth talking to, so that's why I'm glad I reached out and um, you actually accepted my message. Wow, so thanks thank for that. Well, let's yeah, talk about the I'm other honored. work you're doing. Um, well, let's start there. The dystopian. You do a lot of dystopian work. Um, did you ever write it thinking we might actually be in a dystopian world? Were you thinking we're heading that way? That's why you wrote it? Or is this a shock to you that we've sort of seemed to hit a dystopia never. here? Never. I, I never thought, I mean, I'm pretty sure like, uh, you know, uh, most people are saying this, we're saying this in March. I never thought anything like this would happen. Um, the dystopian stuff from me, it came from what I saw as, uh, as sad to say is like what I, what I feared would happen uh, for what I saw in, in pop culture. But I'm being a little too vague. So back in 2015 is when I started writing uh, novels and specifically dystopian stuff. I saw people unwilling to listen to each other, you know, at, um, just kind of uh, the, the, the conversational tactics became more of like, let me show you how I'm right and why it's better than your point. And that shifted over to, I'm just going to humiliate you and cancel you or, or do whatever it takes to get to get a mob of people against you. And so that's kind of what led to Echo, where there's basically only two part two fighting parties, you know, like the, the dissidents and, and the regime. But I know, you know, you're, it sounds like you're referencing the pandemic, but no, I never I never thought the pandemic would happen. So you're saying that people who write dystopia don't actually expect it to happen. They just write it because they know people will be thrilled by it one way or another. I didn't. I, well, as a writer, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like my I, my duty, I think, to take a, an intriguing possibility and amplify it. So uh, I want to make sure I answer your question directly, but I want to uh, want to also give you a direct answer on why to why I wrote the dystopian stuff in the first place. Is sure. I saw the lack of civil civil interaction, and I decided to amplify that as much as I could uh, in my dystopia. That that that's how I came to the dystopia. But as far as people being interested in it, I guess, I, I guess they would naturally be right. If you if you place your problems, if you pick your problems right, if they're relevant to the modern day times, and then you amp them up as much as possible, then they should garner interest. Uh, if you've made them, if you polish them up and made them socially relevant. I'm talking about Dirty Sci-Fi Buddha. You can find him at WordPress there, but his real name is Kent Wayne. He's a writer. He's a podcaster. Uh, also, something I'm very interested to get into because you're talking about inspiration uh, with a little twist, so I want to get to that. But did the military time bring you to like this dystopian feeling? Did that have any bearing on why you started to go into it? Um, 
Yeah, well, yeah, it did. I mean, it kind of interacted. I had a lot of injuries in the military, and it took it took a little bit for me to, uh, you know, get some of my uh, bodily functions, back, like walking around and stuff like that. But I eventually, you know, I'm good now. I haven't, I don't have, I'm not missing any limbs. I can still do jujitsu every now and then. But uh, yeah, like I was very disappointed. I was going. I wanted a different track in the military. I wanted to make it a career, but it got cut short because of my injuries. And I saw a lot of um, what I perceived to be systemic uh, dysfunction. So I, once again, I took that and I put it into the, I amped it up as much as possible. And then I put it into the novel. I mean, you read, you read Echo, it's, it's a military novel basically, but, and it's got, it's filled with the worst aspects of the military, you know, um, not just cussing, but like people stabbing each other in the back and stuff. And that's not all the military is obviously, but I wanted to take, I wanted to dramatize it. Well, and thank you for your service, by the way. What branch were you in? Oh, I don't talk about branches. I was in multiple branches. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Sorry about that. I just don't get into the specifics of the military stuff. Well, thanks for serving anyway. I'm sure it was tough, but thank you for doing that. Are, are you, uh, no worries. No worries. do you ever share your location? Like where are you from or not really? Is that, is that all covert too? Oh yeah. Right now I'm in a, no, <laughs> definitely not. Like I avoid military stuff, not cause I'm a badass or cause it was, <laughs> it was uh, super hard or dramatic. I, I just, it's kind of, most of it's kind of embarrassing and uh, disappointing. So I just, mm. it's really, it's really not as uh, dramatic is some might think it is that so i just don't get into the details there's guys who who do the dramatic who are real deal military guys who can tell way better stories than i can i might be able to tell a funny story here or there and probably just some demoralizing a lot mm. but as far as like my location i just moved down from san francisco um uh, in june uh, down to san diego but i've lived on both coasts i grew up on the east coast near the dc metro area uh before that i was in uh Wisconsin for um, let's see about 12, 12 years of my life so yeah well it's good so you moved during the pandemic or did you move pre-pandemic to San Diego yeah I moved to the pandemic um, I'm you know I, I earlier I mentioned I was retired so like it's basically some real estate stuff I don't know I don't know if your readers want to learn about financial nerd stuff but <laughs> it was some it was some real estate stuff basically setting up a primary residence uh, moving back into my rented out condo, set up primary residence so I could access some better interest rates through uh, more uh, HELOC. But I don't know if you're, yeah, I'll probably just cut Interesting. that short. Well, you and, probably and, don't hear about that stuff. Well, <laughs> I just covered the other day about how they want to flip office buildings into apartments in the middle, middle of Manhattan, which I'm kind of against, but uh, we can talk about that another day. But you really? do, yeah, they want to sure. flip offices into houses. It's very, I don't think affordable housing Why are you, uh, I'm square. not, but that's just me. All I know about New York real estate is that it seems super unaffordable to me. But I mean, so wait a second. Like, uh, if it is a topic, if it, you tell me if this is appropriate to your conversation. We can always switch topics. But why is, why wouldn't you want more housing um, instead of offices? Well, I would want it, but I don't think I'd want it in the middle of Manhattan because to me, affordable housing would be kind of like the, the, I feel like it'd be the NYCHA residence, which NYCHA has had plenty of issues in the outer boroughs and you know i just don't think that should be in midtown it's just um also kent there's another idea that by seceding office space we're saying you don't have to go back to work i'm saying no we got to keep these offices and inspire people to get back to work safely that's kind of how I, I feel about it i see okay okay yeah uh so the trade-off isn't, isn't worth it is is uh is for what is what i'm getting from you yeah i don't i don't think it is Back with Kent Wayne after this.
Don't miss Alex Garrett podcasting. Hey, I'm back with this dirty sci-fi Buddha. That's how you know I'm on WordPress. Kent Wayne. Speaking of All podcasting, right, sure. All right. I'm sure that's why you also do the podcasting, because you have a lot to say. And now you're doing it through the spoken word on your podcast. Inspiration as P-H-U-C-K, not F-U-C-K. Uh, inspiration <laughs> as fuck. Um, but that's just cool in and of itself. Like, you just change it up. Instead of inspired a AF, you know, AF, it's Inspire AP, yeah, right. which I think is kind of cool. So tell us about your podcast. Uh, the podcast, I'm kind of taking a, a little break from it. Um, I, I just basically put my friends on it. <laughs> it's people I know. Um, it, it was kind of like so with right. The reason I started podcasting was because with writing. Well, first, I mean, the the, the simple reason is because I was like, man, Joe Rogan does it and uh, he he's always entertaining and it seems like it's really not that much setup required that's a simple reason but like um more of a, a a little a step up from that is because writing it requires so much polishing uh you need to, there's rhythm in the words even though when they're not spoken um you have to make sure that there's a certain cadence to them that so that they slide uh, for lack of better descriptions they slide easily into your reader's mind so that you're trying to remove the burden of, or I'm trying to remove the burden of a reader having to think through what I just said, even if he didn't. And you know what? It, a step up from that is even if they don't understand what I wrote, I want them to feel what I want, what I intend. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. But I, if you've seen a movie where you didn't quite understand what was going on, but it was still great because it evoked feeling from you. Well, you know what I like to do? Sometimes uh, I, I do these on WordPress, too. Like I do these like greeting on the go and I just talk about different things and then putting it into spoken word is so cool because it's like and now I got another outlet to put them on which I always find fun just cross promoting it all really exactly yeah that was the point I was getting to is because with with a spoken word I don't need to do all that editing <laughs> you know I don't I, I edit a page I think like on average like 30 times before I publish it that I'm just like finicky I'm just uh, one of those finicky writers I guess but with the spoken word I just there's pretty much no cuts, you know, no editing, just blah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I get to express myself and then kick myself later if I think I said something stupid. But. And and the, and the obviously the readership and the listenership are growing for you, and you got your own website too. Tell us about your own website. Oh, it's dirtysci-fi-buddha.com. Um Basically, just a platform for where I can put my free sample chapters out. Um, and uh, I, I kind of follow the model of uh, Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian. I'm not really looking to make any – it'd be nice to make money from this. It'd be nice to get a movie deal. I always write with the hope of that and you know uh, the the dream, the, the uh, holding the excitement of that dream. But I don't ex- – if you tie yourself to the expectation, you're just going to make yourself miserable. So I, say, so I just have fun with it. You know, I put the sample chapters out and as far as the you – know, I'm kind of rambling a bit. But the Andy Weir thing, he, he uh, just had his book out for free on his blog, The Martian for like 10 years, you know, asking people like, Hey, do you like it? Or, well, you know, he's asking scientists, where am I going wrong and stuff like that. And then eventually it started picking up steam and you know, the rest is history. So I figured I would do the same way. I just have fun with it. I just offer it for free. I do a lot of Amazon giveaways. Um, and, uh, you, you can check out that stuff on dirty sci-fi Buddha.com. There's sample, sample chapters for all my books. I got echo. I got core thank barbarian Valley girl, which is, it, it, that's like just a, that's more of a comedy. That's not really, anything deep I, there's got there's deep stuff in it and i got my new new one coming up the unbound realm which is my first thing at the young adult fantasy well that's very cool and keep us updated on that you know you talk about sci-fi and i'm just thinking to myself 
Kent probably watched, you know, all these different movies growing up, War of the Worlds and, and other things. Did you did you grow up on those kind of movies or what was that an inspiration for you? I yeah, well, first of all, when I was growing up, I was an idiot. And I'm not much better now, but I was like an un- oblivious. I was un- unaware of how idiotic I was. So that's like a double idiot. Uh, but yeah, when I was growing up, I watched Star Wars incessantly. And to give you a taste of my idiocy, I would like try to like watch it so much that I could say the lines along with the characters, you know, <laughs> while I was watching them. And then like if I saw my brother watching somebody something different, I would like shame him <laughs> for not watching Star Wars. But I mean, I'm not I'm not that much of a fanboy now. I, I I still like it and everything, but yeah, I was pretty obsessive when I grew up. Since Disney took over, do you like the way they've done it, or have they lost the Lucas feel to it altogether? Uh, they definitely lost some of the Lucas feel, but they've kept enough of it where I, I like it. I mean, yeah, there's problems with us. Uh, I have issues. I have issues with um, it's bump. It's rough and bumpy, but in the end, I, what I want is a big dumb movie where I. All I'm looking forward to is those big climactic moments, mm-hmm. you know, and with with those movies, I have a lot of leeway because I mean, for uh, for Pete's sake, it's like, you know, in, in a third in Return of the Jedi, right? Everybody's seen. So Luke's big plan to save his friends is to <laughs> just basically surrender himself, put himself at the mercy of this gangster and then turn it all around by triple somersaulting off a pl- mm-hmm. off a plank he's, he's 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 supposed to walk. You know, that's his that's his master plan. So it's like those big dumb moments, they don't need that much intricacy. They're not meant to be like uh, Christopher Nolan inception style complicated. Mm. So and I feel like the new ones delivered enough of those moments where I'm just like, yeah, I I like him. Do you like the holographs of, you know, Carrie Fisher? I mean, is that overdoing it or should she still be in the series somehow? Um, I, I don't That That's something I don't really, um, I don't have a real strong opinion about. I okay. mean, if they, if they, if they do it and it's like, uh, it's not too hokey, you know, if there's it's not too grainy or whatever, or, or weird looking, um, then I'm fine with it. We talk about Christopher Nolan. Of course, I think he, I, I, he is synonymous to me with the Batman series, but, um, yeah, you know, the Batman versus Superman, Kent Wayne, I got to ask you about that one because I it sure. didn't feel uh, it didn't feel like I was watching an actual movie. It did feel like the fighting scenes were a video game and actually that turned me off a little bit. It just it didn't feel as real as I, I wanted it to be in some parts of that Batman versus Superman. Uh yeah, I I didn't like I haven't liked any of the DC movies except for Aquaman surprised me. I really liked it. that. Was like a big dumb '80s movie. It pulled no punches, trying trying to be something else. Um, and Man of Steel was all right. Um, I feel like it, they just kind of they didn't really push it as much as they could have uh, into into a, they turn they could have made a decent movie into a great movie, but they decided not to, probably because of produce uh, executive influence. As far as the Batman versus Super, excuse me. As far as the Batman versus Superman, yeah, I think um, it was just. It just felt like uh, they're just trying to check boxes. Honestly, you know, I grew up reading comics. I know about I it, it, all that stuff is based on Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns from the 1980s. It's like a seminal work that turned Batman from a goofy, campy uh, Adam West type Batman into like this badass, mm-hmm. brooding old man that that was able to go toe to toe with Superman. Unfortunately, it was like, um, yeah, it, it was just. Uh, uh, yeah, I have no better description for it than it was just checking the boxes and uh, trying to trying to pay enough tribute to the fanboy, superficial tribute to the fans, 
and then also like put in as much special effects and moving the plot forward to whatever ne- other movie they're going to do next. And to me, I was just like, come on, man, make this a good movie. Then exactly. you can go, you know, make do, focus on what you're doing. Make that a good movie. Then worry about the rest afterwards. Otherwise, you don't you want good movie after good. movie. You don't want a long stream of crap, you know. So unfortunately, that's how I feel about it now for the same way as you. On the, yeah. On the other hand, Wonder Woman, they've actually done a great job with Gal Gadot. I thought I don't know if you watched it them all, but I, I find that to be a very solid movie two times now. Really? Okay. I haven't seen the second one. Um, I, the first one, I, I didn't. Uh, I'm not trying to just be contrarian, but I, I really, I did not get what um, people liked about it that much. I mean, it was, it didn't, it wasn't terrible. I guess that was like the biggest thing for me. It's like, is I, I, another DC movie? I was like, oh, this is gonna be terrible. But it was, it was good, like strong performance. But I didn't feel like anything, anything uh, struck that emotion. You know, I'm looking for those moments where. Um, in the original Star Wars, when when Luke is making his Death Star run, right, and you hear Obi Obi Wan, dead Obi Wan's voice saying like, "Use the Force, Luke." From from what people say to me, I've like uh, and, and you know uh, from conversations I've had with people who actually saw it in the theaters, like people stood up and cheered at that moment. You know, wow. That's what I'm I'm looking for. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for in like these big dumb adventure movies or superhero movies. Um, and I didn't feel anything like that from Wonder Woman. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not just trying to poo-poo it. But like, let me ask you, what did you like about Wonder Woman? Oh, I are you talking about the second one or the first one? The first one was strong. I mean, she just was was badass, and she was, you know, she mm-hmm. owned that role, and I I just loved it. The second one, it just is even more cool because she just uses her power. I don't know. It just, it, there's something about it I like. I can't really describe it because I don't go in depth in the movies. I just enjoy the action of it, I guess. I don't really analyze yeah, right. it. Now, one thing I do analyze is the Superman because I happened to meet Christopher Reeve um, up at Yankee Stadium. Oh, when really? Was, when wow. he was paralyzed, you know, in the power chair. Um, and that was a big moment because mom and my dad put me in Superman from baby onward. And that's been like one of my main main themes of my life, Superman. And so to see him was great. But the one thing I'll always never forget oh, is awesome. seeing him become bad after being good. It was like I, that whole thing of him becoming bad was just so shocking to me. I can't get over that. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about like, uh, was it like in Superman 2? Yeah. He's like fighting he, like a... Yep. Clark Kent is fighting an evil version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'll yeah, get, I remember that. I can't get over it. just like, what the hell is this? I can't get over it. But you know, you say campy. I hope you don't find that Superman was campy because I don't think those Superman movies were as campy as anything. I think they were pretty solid, actually, for 70s movies. Anyhow. I like, yeah. Oh, yeah, for especially for 70s movies. And uh, one of the biggest, it, the, the thing they should... Uh, I don't think they should ever have messed. Do you allow swearing on your podcast? I mean, I'm not trying to pressure you. you Whatever I'm, you want to do. I'm, like, I'm cool. I'm I, cool. Okay. Okay. So uh, you, you let me know if I get in line. So uh, usually I swear a lot, especially with my friends. But you know, they totally fucked it up because with the new ones, because the greatest thing about the 70, the 70s Supermans, in my, in my opinion, one of the greatest, the theme song. The theme song, you know, like you did not have to know who Superman was. Music comes with its own soul, right? Like you heard that theme song that the story of Superman is all in there. You don't even have to know his name. You know, it's about a hero. You know, you know, it's about somebody who brings joy to people's lives, who saves them, you know, and the fact that they didn't have that. I mean, they just went with some like uh, dark Hans Zimmer stuff. 
uh, for mm. the new, new Superman. I was like, come fact, on, man, all come those on. Series have become very dark music oriented. I'm, I'm not really, I don't get it. I think they think the younger generation might like it more than us. I don't know, but I, I, it just. I have a yeah. Yeah, tell me, tell me your theory now. I'm curious. I have, I have the theory on that. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Were you? Well, no, yeah, I, I, now I want to hear your theory because I just that music is oh, too okay. dark for me anyway. Yeah, the, my theory is okay. So Christopher Nolan, when he took over the superhero stuff, it was back in the first. The first of his Batman's was in 2005. The franchise was a mess. You know, uh, it was all we had like Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mister Freeze in the last one, and it's just uh, full of campy lines. It's almost like a modern day Adam West style Batman. Christopher Nolan took it and turned it into like this dark brooding powerhouse and that was great christopher nolan kicked ass he did a, a damn good christopher nolan movie and people saw that and for the next 10 years I, I think like it just influenced everything that came out afterwards um you know you got arrow you got uh all even the cartoons the cartoons are now like mature and they got like all these the fight scenes are great and everything but they they kind of everything was trying to like reignite that christopher nolan spark just like this badass vigilante, they turned everything dark, you know. And uh, kudos to Marvel because they kind of went the other way, you know. They want they just wanted to make good movies in their own right, you know, starting with Iron Man. But um, yeah, that whole thing about uh, uh, man, I'm kind of losing my train of thought. But the the whole thing about the uh, the, the 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 darkness of Christopher Nolan's movies, which was appropriate for his stuff, it was like groundbreaking. I think they just try to kind of recycle that in the new DC movies, and it just—it's a lot of it's just falling flat on its face, honestly. Well, because you know, Superman's cape wasn't dark red or dark blood red. I don't know; it just looked very dark. You know, he's—he's—he was like your everyday guy just trying to save the world in the seventies. Right. That was what I loved about him. Hey, you know, you also say you're you're Buddha. So, what's the connection? What? Why? Why Buddha? Do you do you feel connected to him to the Buddha, or what? What's your Reason uh, there, I'm curious. Well, you know, back when I was uh, in the cult, they called themselves Buddhists, and um, nowadays, I'm actually, I don't, I'm not affiliated with with any spiritual organization, but um, I actually think there's a lot of stuff missing from the Buddhist stuff. But um, it, I, it, that was just something I, I was, I thought at the time was like Buddha fit the my view of existences uh, more than anybody else, but. Man, like when I look at, when I look at, it's based. Buddhism is basically a religion. It's based in in that. I mean, there's a couple there's a couple different worldviews. Uh, so I'm going to sw start switching to philosophical. You tell me if this gets a little too philosophical or deep. But, but so so there's like um, there's a religious worldview, which means that it's kind of a tit for tat worldview. It's like you pay the man, you pay the price, and then you get heaven or hell or enlightenment. Based, based on how well you did on paying the price. You don't know why you're here. All you, all you know is that you pay the price to go somewhere better. And that's why, and I realized like Buddhism and the cult, the, my, the, the Buddhist cult I was in, they, they were basically just another religion, which is, they were like, hey, you know, enlightenment's where you want to be. Enlightenment is like, you have like this, you're, you live in the state of ecstasy, right? 24 seven. But in order to get there, you got to, Erase all this karma, all this, all this shit that you've you've accumulated in past lives. You got to scrub it and clean. Oh, but guess what? It's super hard, even even if you do a good job. So you have like a minimal chance of being enlightened, and you still got to pay the price. It's just going to be basically just suck it up and live in misery. And I was like, so I was looking at these things, and over time, my worldview shifted to uh, 
uh, to more of a mystical worldview, you know, and you can find this in, you can find hints of that in all religions where it's like, no, the kingdom of God is within you. Ask and you shall receive, you know, you don't need you, uh, things like that. Um, it was, was Buddha said, uh, with, your, with the thoughts we make the world, some, uh, it's the first line of the Dhamma Basically it's happiness is unconditional, right? And that's kind of a hard pill to swallow, but it's possible to be happy, to embrace where you're at. And I know that you can't, I know that if you're in a shitty state of mind, it's, it, you can't just jump right to happiness, but you can jump to something better. If you're, if you're in fear, if you, if you live in fear, you can reach for anger. That's close enough. Then once you abide in anger, you can reach for maybe apathy, you know, or irritation or frustration or, or revenge. And from there, you can reach for boredom, maybe when you get tired of, of being angry. If you just abide in the emotions, you don't inflame them. You can keep so like it's it's up to you. It's the ability to improve your your mental state is always available to you. You don't need to pay the man. You don't need to whip mm. yourself a thousand times. You don't need to like meditate for thousands of hours or whatever. The only reason meditation is good is because it gives you a chance to just abide where you're at, and then you can naturally move up. I do believe there's like a a natural benevolence underlying the world, but you know it's our resistance to it, our our continual. Uh, tendency to look away, away from it that causes us uh, us grief. So really, it's in the end, it's kind of our choice, which is kind of like uh, the ultimate victim blaming and ultimately empowering at the same time, because everybody, you know, empowering that everybody has access to it, victim blaming, and then you know, yeah, you are in the end, in the end, you you do become responsible for what happens to you. You know, it's funny. Um, that you've, it's funny you say this because. Um, one of my latest WordPress, in fact, was about this idea that we have to stop saying we're going to make a resolution and just fi start finding solutions for ourselves. I think we get hung up on that word resolution, but we really should be focused on more of a solution for ourselves, shouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. And the solution uh, from what you're like, I, I like your different differenti differentiation, differentiation of resolution where it's like, the, the implication behind what I'm getting from your use of the word resolution is that, yeah, we got to we got to do all these things and then resolve this problem eventually. Whereas with a solution, let's what do we got in front of us? What can we solve immediately? Uh, you know, what where, what can we work from with the immediately available tools? That's I, I like that, you know. Because and I, by the way, I haven't heard much about the resolution in the last few days. Usually, that's a word around here, but I'm not even hearing that. I think because we're all just bogged down with everything else that we're trying to get through day to day. Um, the uh, what was I going to go with this? Okay, so with all of that, and yeah, I, I agree. It's all about up to us, and uh, I think writing could help that. Now, I got to ask you about this because you're a sci-fi. I'm sure you're an Indiana Jones fan. Harrison Ford's coming back. Gotta get I watched all of that. Yeah. Oh man, I, yeah, I love, I love it. I love it. I, I hope that guy uh, always stays healthy. I mean, it's kind of selfish. I hope he never dies. I, <laughs> I say selfish because I do think, you know, death can be a relief. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not so much. I don't know too much as much of the peripheral mythology of Indiana Jones as I do with Star Wars. Like, I actually read like those, uh, those, the spinoff books and stuff when I was a kid. But um, yeah, I. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I don't have too much to say on it other than I would love I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I want to see him come back. Uh, I think we all do because uh, it's just something that we need. That was actually a great way to end 2020 amongst everything else going on. Harrison Ford coming back was uh, was just great. And is that your uh, guy, Indiana Jones? No, 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 Superman. But I, I like it. You Superman. Know, okay. And I haven't really watched 
that serious. Because growing up, I was about sports. I'm still all about the sports world. Like that's just oh, okay. My, check my right. niche. So this isn't you know comics and everything like that wasn't my main thing. But as I got older and got into the movies of, of Marvel and DC, I'm like, yeah, I I actually do like this. And then mom's a huge fan, so these comic book stores. That's another thing that's going out the wayside. Like a lot of comic book stores are closing left and right, it seems like. But when you get those items and bring them home, there's nothing like it, right? I mean, when you get those items as they're closing, you're like, thank God I got it before I before they closed is how I felt about it. <laughs> yeah, I remember like being seriously sad when my mom threw out my comics when I was a kid. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I hear you. Yeah, there's some it's definitely there's like a personal energy to them. And uh, I can see why people pay so much money for it. Uh, but yeah. Well, let me ask you real quick. Like, sure. what Super, Superman's your guy? Uh, let me. Uh, what what appeals? What about him appeals to you? So, it's the fist clenched in the air, flying around feeling, um, because <laughs> well, there's photos of me in the NICU NICU for 77 days, and Mom said, nice. and my, my dad said too, like my fist was clenched that I was going to get through those 77 days. And so it just resonated with me. And then Superman, I watch all nearly almost every picture he has is him, him, fist in the air flying. And I'm like, you know what? I resonate with that. So now I rollerblade. I rollerblade around on one leg, and it's just like there's so many comparisons. <laughs> and I love the Daily News building. I lived two blocks away from it as a kid. So mom would take me there. The Spinning Globe. I don't know if you ever been. Well, you said you were in D.C., so maybe you did come to New York. But the Daily News building is still a must-see because I still have that revolving globe, which I always related to Superman, actually, in the middle of the oh, lobby awesome. there. So that's kind of what it is. And then I have a lot of Superman shirts and, and whatnot. So it's, uh, he's kind of in, in my veins, actually. To be honest, uh, as a kid, I didn't like him growing up, and then he actually grew on me more than I was. I was Batman guy, but I, he actually grew on me more than Batman, because as an adult, I started realizing like, man, Batman is just um, he's just kind of like a recycled trauma, you know. <clears throat> so, ba- so basically, Batman is um, and he never really gets over. It. So he he basically channels his trauma into the most constructive thing he can find, which is uh, you know beating up villains. And he tries to replace his dead family by making a new one, right? Like Alfred right. and Robbins and all that stuff. Right. But then he ends up pushing him away. He ends up being a dick to him because he doesn't want to suffer the same loss again. So it's like this constant cycle where he like collects this family, Robbins, Batgirl, and all, uh, so forth and so forth. And then he pushes them away. And then he just keeps uh, – uh, the reason I like Superman is that it's not – if you, if you look at the Superman universe, there's like way more powerful people than Superman. So it's Lex really not Luther, absolutely it's really I mean, not power. Huh. Well, there's dark yeah, dark side. Uh there's like uh man, I've it's been so long. Um that imp the noise and mixel there, there's a bunch of people where he his power it, that it's always interesting because there's only a few, but it, if, like one at a time, you know, so it's kind of like it doesn't happen very often, but if you if you start stacking them up, there's a lot of a lot of people who can challenge him just on sheer power level. But the thing is, it's not his power that's to me to that grew on me. Uh, it's the fact that he could, if he wanted to, that it's a fact that if you put a normal person in his place, if you gave a normal person all that power, they would be, they would become bad, but he doesn't. Right. No, With all he that does, power, he, does not. he constantly does the right thing. You know, he strives to do the right thing. He's not the smartest. He's not, I mean, he's pretty disciplined. He's not, he's no Batman, but he's like, um, he hated killing that's his uh... real superpower. Well, he hated killing the villain in that other, in the most recent, one of the most recent Superman. Right. Very interesting exactly, to see him yeah. cry, actually, after that. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
So you're right. He wanted to do good, and that's what he, that's what he wanted to do. Oh, and my mom also visited Metropolis, and we knew we know Clyde Wills, who was a big part of all of that. So there's this. It's all in my in my family DNA, really. Uh, you just Who's, uh, Clyde. Clyde Wills was sort of like a. Um, I think he helped create Metropolis, the actual oh, nice. town, if I'm not mistaken. Um, awesome. But I got to ask you this because he's an adult male, and that you know. People these days are like, oh, why are you in, not to me, but in general, they're like, you should get a job. Why are you into comics? I mean, do you feel any stigma when you talk about super, you know, uh, Superman or Star Wars, or do you feel like you're you're in a community that accepts? You know what I mean? Like, do you ever feel backlash? Cause, like, someone's like, why are you so into this years later or something like that? Uh, I used to, <laughs> but that was kind of like in middle school and high school. It was not. I mean, comics weren't cool in the '90s uh, at all. You know, um, but. Nowadays, it's like uh, I feel like I, I don't have any problem talking about them. I mean, I feel they're they're way more accepted. So I never thought that um, there would be like a cartoon movie about superheroes when I was a kid, much less a live action, you know, two hundred million dollar blockbuster. So, so nowadays, I just I actually feel like it's kind of um, I actually kind of I don't I used to avoid talking about that stuff out of embarrassment. Now, but now it's more like. Yeah, of course, everybody likes comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of my view. I'm not. Do you, is there backlash on your end? Do people no, I think people. I just do what I do. I, I, I always was hesitant to go to these comic movies as a kid. Well, when I got older, but I'm like, man, these are actually really good. And so right, I just got yeah. into it. As I'm listening to you, Mr. Kent Wayne, a big question pops up in my mind. Talk about leaving the cult. How did you? How were you able to do it? It wasn't like a cult in the traditional sense where they, where you lived someplace restricted and your activities were restricted. It, it, so the, the format for, for, some, for most of the members was you go do a cult meeting uh, two, uh, two nights, one weekend every month. And then you pay for me, it was reduced because I was military, so 200 bucks for me. But for most people, it's 500 bucks to 1500 bucks a month. Um, the, the pressure, the, for for the inner circle, the pressure was much more extreme, but there was no physical physical. It was like a cult light. So they would say they, they would just use shame and kind of like these. Oh well, I mean, it, you guys are so lucky to be here. Uh, if if this isn't for you, there's the door. So I can't. It, it barely qualifies as a cult, honestly. So for me, it was when they when they just made it when they stopped doing it. I think because there's some investigations going on. Uh, when they stopped doing it, it wasn't that much of a, a big deal, honestly. So that's how I left. Is it just kind of they just stopped having meetings? They started back up, I think, in last year. But I, I got I got a few emails to come back to them. Huh. Uh, but I was like, yeah, I don't need this anymore. And I don't know. Are you into the planetary system at all? Because I I definitely have some feelings about Mars having water, considering I studied for a week at the Jet Propulsion Lab in Pasadena, California, watching replica rovers do their thing. And then I find out they have life on Mars. I'm like, this is exactly what I was studying. And it's just kind of (laughs) cool. But to me, like the biggest campaign I want to start again is to get Pluto back as a planet. If you notice, since that happened, they declassified it. The world has gone to crap. And I'm like, this is Pluto's (laughs) revenge right now. I'm telling you. Um, it's fun. I, so what do they classify it as? A 
a, a mini star or something like a star or may I don't know. It's not a, a protostar or something. I don't know, but it's not a planet. I'm thinking Pluto is really pissed at us for declassifying it. I really think. <laughs> well, I I'm not. I don't know too much about the planetary system except like I mean I'm all I'm fascinated by aliens. Like that's I guess if you're talking about interstellar stuff, uh, I'm all up on the conspiracies of the uh, you know aliens and the recent. Uh, so is the House uh, of Representatives. They just funded UFO research in the latest bill we got. Did you hear about that? I saw like within the next six months, right? Yeah, it was every- Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, man, I-, I love this rabbit hole. I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> this is one. This is one actually where I gotta watch out who I mention it to because I'm like I don't know how deep they want to go down this thing. Uh, but yeah, that that and I don't know if you've heard about the uh, the ranch out in uh, was it Utah, Skinwalker Ranch? Where nope, the, not the gov- that. The government. <laughs> yeah, the government's got their fingers in like some. That's funded. There's government fund projects there too, and supposedly interdimensional stuff. But yes, uh, aliens. Um, I have a lot of hope. Uh, aliens bring me a lot of hope. I mean, I feel like I hope the case is that um, they're kind of watching us like uh, 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 teenagers, as if we're as if we're bratty teenagers. Like I hope they're like, hey, you know what? We can't. You know, like in Star Trek, where they don't interfere with the alien, the uh, the prime directive, where they don't interfere with other races, to, other species too much. Right. I hope that's what they're doing to us because they're like, look, they're a bunch of idiots, but and they're coming along. We'll step in if something before something catastrophic happens, but we're just going to leave them alone, let them let them figure it out for themselves. I hope that's the case. By the way, their Twitter they are Twitter trends nowadays. I don't know if you saw this, but the there was like a former Israeli defense chief that said there's a I did see that <laughs> big yeah. conversation with the Intergalactic Federation and the U.S. and Israel. I'm like, this is news. This is unbelievable. Why? How is this news? Yeah, but- the, the guy's like a general. He was like a pilot, and he's like some super respected scientist or something like that. Yeah. I, I did read about that. Um, he said, like, Trump already knew about the aliens for, for a long time, and they're, they're already on Earth and stuff. I, I hope that – I mean, I hope I hope it's the case. Well, there's a reason why the Space Force was started. You know what I mean? There's always been that feeling to me, like there's a reason why he started this. By the way, I always wondered how the 16 election in and of itself became it because it was so abnormal. I'm like, is this a distraction from what's really going on? I started to really believe that, actually. Oh, you, you think, like, uh, it, it, the – 2016 was a distraction from alien disclosure. From anything going on that we didn't know about. I don't know. It just was a very strange year that year. Yeah, it felt like – it didn't feel like society was coming apart of the scene. It kind of felt like well, – I got to rephrase that. To me, like every – there just seemed to be like so much apathy and like nothing – it seemed like we were locked in a collision course with just a, a, a bitter downward spiral basically. Or we were just locked into that bitter downward spiral People weren't listening to each other. Nobody cared. There's a lack of caring about a lot of pretty much everything. And then, um, yeah, and then we get hit by the pandemic. So uh, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, sorry, I, I kind of veered off. Subject, no, no, but- I love that you said that because also I noted uh, a while ago, we can't be apathetic anymore. We have to just start really getting involved or we're going to lose this country. I really, I really believe that. You think so? I do. I, I'm just, I don't want to see it slip away. And I feel like sometimes it just feels like it's, going to slip away from us at any moment all right kent wayne i gotta ask you a couple more questions firstly sure who do you resonate with more the kent or the wayne side of you obviously you named yourself that because you have those personalities and i don't know if they conflict or not but do you ever feel like one weighing over the other sort of like jekyll hyde minus the whole (laughs) well it's a little there's some irony there because i resonate more with the kent part like like I, i try to go much more by my feelings but the wayne part I've lived so much of my life like that. I mean, and I still live like that. 
Like I still wake up at like three or four, knock out a few hours of writing, go to the gym, even though I'm retired, you know, I, and then I, I tend to my stuff. I, I have like a rigorous schedule supplements, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, so even though like I try to go more with the feelings side that, or I resonate more with that, as far as like what my actions look like, I'm still, <laughs> it's much more the Wayne side. That's uh, that's kind of interesting. I obviously am more the Ken side, but I could, I could see that. Uh, and then one thing that people don't know about you, and you've been blogging as the Dirty Sci-Fi Buddha for quite a while. How long have you been blogging for anyway? Like, what's the time timeline? That's uh, I think four years, maybe five years. So four to five years. And we'll be right back with Kent Wayne on Alex Garrett podcast. We are always adapting at Alex Garrett podcasting well thanks i'm glad to be back here with kent wayne and kent the dirty sci-fi buddha on wordpress got a few more questions for you so what's one thing that all your people that follow you and interact with you what what's one thing that they don't know hmm man i i've opened up so much (laughs) on on all my stories i i uh I told him about the cult, told him I was in the military, um, told him I was Asian American. Uh, I'm kind of drawing a blank right now. That's okay. <laughs> well, okay, okay, here you go. Here's here's some non-consequential fact. Uh, I went to private school for three years when I was a kid. Wow, and did that, uh, how was that? Because I went to a private high school, elementary through high school, so I'm very involved with yeah, that. Yeah, I went to a private elementary school called uh, Wingra in the, uh, Wisconsin, um, for six, six grades, six, I think six, uh, man, it was like one, one in elementary school and, or two years in elementary school and then one year in middle school. But anyways, um, as far as how was that, it was, uh, it was interesting. Like <laughs> if you saw me back then, you'd be like, this kid is going nowhere. Cause the school was like, it had a super liberal format where you, they didn't pressure you to uh, complete assignments. What they did was like, they had different subjects, right? Like the obvious ones, science, math, history, all that stuff. They set up these stations. Every every week you'd have to pick pick an assignment from these stations and fulfill all your, and, and, and at the end of the week, you'd have check-in where they would like, where they would look over what you did and what you didn't do. And you know, the good students, they would, they, they would do all their assignments, obviously. They would have zero things to do, zero outstanding items to check-in. With me, I remember, <laughs> I'd be like 14, 15 items of check-in. And they're like, what are you doing? What are you doing all day? And I'd be <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I, well, honestly, I was I was reading comics up in the loft. But they, it, it, what, yeah, like these cycles would happen where I'd, I just build up massive amounts of items at check-in, like 20, 30 item, outstanding items. And then I just go through this. I just power through them all like in a week. I just work nonstop, you know, and then get them all done. And, uh, yeah, my parents weren't pleased. <laughs> but, uh yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. Like, and then then later, I developed like a, I developed like a pretty regular work ethic, which is which surprised even me because up until high school, I was even even up until high school, I was just playing video games and just I, I was working, I was physically disciplined in high school, but with, I had no discipline with anything else. Well, I'm glad that you found this as a discipline, and then keep writing and keep entertaining um, people during well, the sure. summer. We need entertainment the most. Let me tell you, uh, <laughs> Ken. Uh, Thank you for joining us today, and uh, please do come back as your stories continue to be published. What's it like publishing in a pandemic? Is it is it just fun to just put it online and boom, there it is? Or do you wish you had the hard copy books out as well? Or do you have a hard copy as well? 
Uh, I have a hard copy for Echo Volumes 1 and 2, but um, the sales, you know, I'm an indie author. I, uh, To be honest, I only scratch out uh, maybe a few dozen bucks a month, you know, 20, 40 bucks a month. I keep the prices low. I just want, I just, I'm just happy for the exposure. I'm happy for, most of all, I'm happy that, you know, I wake up with a purpose. It gives me a sense of purpose. Um, and then, Beautiful. And that's, uh, yeah. So I got, I, I know ideally it would be like, I would, I would make a lot of money at this and this is all I would do for money. But I mean, I'm more than blessed. I got other stuff that supports me financially. I got this for my sense of purpose. And it pleases enough people that, you know, that's, there's, that's enough return for me, honestly. Where can we find you, uh, aside from, alongside WordPress, I should say? Uh, see, I got Facebook and Twitter, but those basically just mirror my WordPress, honestly. Um, if you look up the podcast Strained Brains, uh, I I don't have anybody. Uh, the guy, my roommate, he's also former military. He, he left for a few months from Mexico, so... Um, I don't know. Uh, I've got a few more episodes, but after that, I'm not, I'm not even sure if I'm going to keep doing it. I'll keep it up. But, um, other than that, Oh, Amazon, amazon.com. If you just type in echo and Kent Wayne into the search bar, see all my books. Uh, I got core thank barbarian valuable. If you don't want something so heavy, you know, something kind of goofy and absurd, uh, that's there as well. Um, cool. Well, thanks for joining me today, Ken, and we'll be following your journey at the dirty sci-fi Buddha. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Alex. I'm Alex Garrett, and we will talk to you soon. As I'm listening to you, Mr. Kent Wayne, a big question pops up in my mind. Talk about leaving the cult. How did you, how were you able to do it? It wasn't like a cult in the traditional sense where they, where you lived someplace restricted and your activities were restricted. It, so the, the format for, for some, for most of the members was you go do a cult meeting uh, two, uh, two nights, one weekend every month. And then you pay for me, it was reduced cause I was military. So 200 bucks for me, but for most people it's 500 bucks to 1500 bucks a month. Um, the, the pressure it, it, the, for, for the inner circle, the pressure was much more extreme, but there was no physical, physical, it was like a cult light. So they would say – they would just use shame and kind of like these, oh, well, I mean, it, you guys are so lucky to be here. Uh, if, if this isn't for you, there's the door. So I can't – it barely qualifies as a cult, honestly. So for me, it was when they, when they just made it – when they stopped doing it, I think because there's some investigations going on, uh, when they stopped doing it, it wasn't that much of a, a big deal, honestly. So that's how I left is it just kind of – they just stopped having meetings. They started back up, I think, in – last year but I, I got i got a few emails to come back to them huh. uh but I, I was like yeah i don't need this anymore so well ken thank you so much again and and uh well i'm gonna send you the link when this is up okay yeah uh, yeah show, uh send me the links and i'll share them on facebook and all that uh, wordpress so absolutely thank you and so much feel man. free to add me on facebook as a friend i'd love to keep in touch sure sure absolutely cool uh all right that is that i'll talk to you soon and uh thanks again sir all right, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.